they complain. Uh, they don't do what we tell them. Uh, they say that it's our fault. I don't know what's wrong with them. It's not what's wrong with them. Nothing's wrong with them. It's what's wrong with the franchisor and the franchisor's approach to teaching, guiding, and helping franchisees. Welcome to the Franchise Hot Seat Podcast, where we talk about all things franchising. Now, here's your host, Dr. John P. Hayes. The franchise disclosure document is one of the most useful tools in your due diligence to buy a franchise. And I want to talk to you in particular about item 20 of the FDD. Now, you know the FDD is free, and you know that the FD must be given to you before you sign the franchise agreement or pay money to buy a franchise. It must be given to you at the first serious conversation that you and the franchisor or a representative of the franchisor have to talk about you becoming a franchisee. Very important document, the most useful tool. It's one of the reasons why franchising in America is far beyond franchising in any other country because we rely so much on the franchise disclosure document and franchisors having to tell you up front what their business is all about, what it's going to cost, what you're expected to do, et cetera, et cetera. It's loaded with details that you need to read maybe multiple times. And one of the great things, of course, is that the FD is written for the layperson in plain English. That doesn't mean you're going to understand everything in the FDD. I don't understand everything that I read in FDDs, and I need someone to interpret it for me from time to time. Lots of times, in fact. Nothing wrong with that. I want to particularly tell you about item 20. This is where you're going to find a variety of information about the development of the franchise brand in terms of locations and number of units. But what's really important in item 20 is the list of franchisees, name, location, address, their email address, their phone number. Franchisor is obligated to list their franchisees, not only the existing franchisees, but previous franchisees who are no longer part of the network. Those are people who are important to you if you're investigating a franchise offering because they've got a lot to say. They can tell you whether or not it's a good franchise. They can tell you if they would avoid this franchise or recommend that you avoid the franchise. So what I always say to students and to professionals who are coming to me and in maybe in their midlife and wanting to buy a franchise. And I always say to them, get the FDD. It's not that hard to get. You've got to qualify. They don't have to give you the FD just because you want it. Although there are many government sites. Try California, try New York, try Wisconsin. There are a lot of sites where you can get a franchise brand's FD without asking for it. You can also buy them. I wouldn't recommend that you do that because they're available free. But you have to qualify to get it from the franchisor. Until you get it from the franchisor and you sign a receipt that you receive the FD on a specific date because they got to give it to you for a two-week period of time before they can take money from you. Not that difficult to get it. Got to qualify to get it. And the first thing that I suggest you do is turn to item 20. I don't know that I would read financial statements at this point. 
I don't know that I would get into any of the other sections, maybe item seven, because it gives you a chart and gives you an overview of what it's going to cost to invest in this franchise. But item 20 is where the rubber meets the road, because that's where the franchisees are listed. Now, be clear about this. A franchisor is not allowed to say to you, don't call this one and don't call that one. And this one really is too new. You should avoid calling those franchisees. No, they're not allowed to tell you that. They give you the list. It might be 100 franchisees, might be 10, might be a couple of hundred franchisees listed by state. Again, it's name, address, contact information. This is so easy. You need to connect with those people. And I always suggest that depending on the size of the franchise, maybe contact 10 of them. Maybe eight's enough. Maybe you want to do 20, depending on your, your feeling about risk and your feeling about connecting with people. If you don't have I in your personality, in the DISC personality, you may not want to interact with this many people. But I think it's, a, it's very important to do. It's at least important to do this with a few franchisees. I always recommend that you take an Excel spreadsheet and along the left side, you can list the names of 10 franchisees. And across the top, you can list your questions. You should ask 10 franchisees the same 10 questions to get some data that will help you make a decision if this franchise is for you. And you can ask any 10 questions you want. I've written a book, 101 Questions to Ask, before you invest in a franchise, you find that at amazon.com. You can also, uh, you can come up with questions on your own. You don't need a, to read a book necessarily to do that. One of the important questions, knowing what you know, Mr. or Ms. Franchisee, would you buy this franchise all over again? I think that's a telling question. If you talk to 10 franchisees and eight of them say, no, I wouldn't buy this again. Seven of them say that. Maybe more than half of them say that. I think that's going to give you some pause. And it saves you, by the way, if eight out of 10 say, no, I wouldn't buy it again. Are you really going to read that FD? Why? You can. You've got it. It's a pretty thick document. It's got a lot of detail in it. But why would you spend any time reading that document knowing that this is eight of 10 franchisees said no? they wouldn't buy this franchise again. So I think that's an important to get feedback from people. You can also find out from franchisees how much money you can reasonably expect to make. It's impolite, I know, to say, hey, how much money do you make? People do that. In other countries, that's not uncommon for people to talk about money. But in America, generally, we get our way around that question. And it would be fair for you to say to 10 franchisees, here's my financial situation. Here's my background. Here's the location that I'm interested in buying or the kind of location that I'm interested in buying, maybe defined by territory size or defined by number of people. And I'm wondering if I invest in the franchise and I do what the franchisor tells me to do, and I'm a good franchisee, could I reasonably expect to make $100,000 after 12 months, 18 months, 36 months? What would it be? And generally that opens people up so that they will say, here's, one, here's my experience. I've been a franchisee for six years. First year, I didn't make anything. Second year, I broke even. Third year, yes, I made $80,000, et cetera. They'll probably tell you their story. So it's important to explore how they evaluate the franchise. It's important to explore how much money you can make out of this particular franchise. 
also important to explore the type of person you need to be to be successful as a franchisee with this particular brand. And I see this over and over when franchisors scratch their head and say, I can't figure it out. These franchisees, we train them all the same way. We give them all the same information. We provide the same support. It's the same system. And yet some of them, they complain. Uh, they don't do what we tell them. Uh, they say that it's our fault. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with them. It's not what's wrong with them. Nothing's wrong with them. It's what's wrong with the franchisor and the franchisor's approach to teaching, guiding, and helping franchisees. Before we continue, let me tell you about the Selling Franchises Bootcamp coming up at Palm Beach Atlantic University, the home of the Titus Center for Franchising in West Palm Beach. This two-day bootcamp is jam-packed with information and people who will help you sell more franchises in 2023 and beyond. Everything from lead generation to technology that people are using today to sell more franchises, to events that you can incorporate, to how to sell to the generations of people who are buying franchises. Baby boomers don't buy the same way as Gen Z buys, and you need to know that information. Plenty of networking opportunities, three major keynotes, lots of information that will be valuable to you in this two-day bootcamp at Palm Beach Atlantic University. You can get all the details at TitusCenter.com. Click on Selling Franchises Bootcamp. It's set for January 19 and 20, 2023. Franchisors have a lot to learn here. There are different personalities. Our personality DNA differs widely. And if your franchise brand requires, let's say, a dominant driver personality, the D on the DISC personality scale. If it demands that kind of a person and you sell the franchise to an S or to a C, you can expect they're not going to perform at the level you would think they should. They won't perform at the level of your Ds as you'll have some Ds. If you got 10 franchisees and you got two Ds and the profile of the franchise is D, those Ds are going to perform better than your other franchisees. The S and the Cs won't perform as well. There's nothing wrong with those folks. They just got matched with the wrong franchise and too bad for the franchisor. Too bad for you if you are the franchisor because those franchisees who you sold to they're never going to perform at the level you want them to, never going to perform at the level they want to, and consequently, they're never going to validate your franchise. So when prospects call them and say, would you buy the franchise again? The answer is going to be no, or it's at least it's going to be, I'm not sure. You don't want that. You can't get great validation, which helps to sell franchises, particularly when you've got fewer than 20 franchisees, you can't afford that misstep. So you as a prospective franchisee, you need to understand that every franchise brand has its own personality. You have your own personality. You need to match your personality with the franchise brand personality. Find out from these franchisees, back to item 20, you're going to ask the franchisees about maybe their personality profile. If you know your disc personality profile, maybe they know their disc, and that would be a great place for you to compare. There are lots of other questions that you'll want to ask that you will come up with and list on your spreadsheet. You can go down the list, call, visit, email, 
these 10 franchisees, they might not all respond, and then fill out the spreadsheet. Yes, no, whatever information they gave you so that at the end of this period of doing your due diligence, doing this research, and this might take you two weeks and it might take you two months, depending on how diligent you are about it and how willing the franchisees are to speak to you about it. It might take a couple of months to generate this data that you need to make a decision about pursuing this data that you need to make a decision about pursuing this particular franchise. The time doesn't matter. If you're spending $150,000, $500,000, time doesn't matter so much here. You want to take the time to do the due diligence using item 20. I think it's the most useful, most important item in that disclosure document. I'm not discounting other items. They all have their purpose. They all provide great insight, great information to you. But item 20 is a tool for you to use. Can you imagine any other business giving you the names of their customers? That's what a franchisor is forced to do. Franchisees are the customers of the franchisor. That's who pays the franchisor the royalty. That's who pays the franchise fee and continues to pay money for 10 years, 20 years, however long, to the franchisor. Can you imagine any other business giving you, a prospective investor, the list of their customers with their phone number and their email address for you to go contact them and ask questions? It's, that's unbelievable. But in franchising in America, that's how it works. That item 20 is extremely useful, extremely important for you to wisely and this doesn't take much time. It's not painful. People often ask me, why would franchisees want to talk to me? Franchising is a community of people. Franchisees love their peers. They at least appreciate the value of somebody in a neighboring market or three markets over or three states over who's doing the same thing they're doing day in and day out to build a business that doesn't compete with them because they've got their own territory. Maybe they're in West Palm Beach and the franchisee in Orlando, they don't compete, but they've got a lot to talk about. They've got a lot to compare. They've got a lot to question and answer for each other. And if you've got five, 10, 50 of those franchisees, you won't like all of them. You won't catch on with all of them because you've got different personalities and different interests, but you're going to find some two, three, six of them who you're really going to connect with and want to network with. And rather than asking the franchisor questions down the road, once you're a franchisee, you're actually going to call your fellow franchisees, your peers and say, what are you doing about this problem? Or what do you think about corporate's decision to do this? How are we going to handle that? Et cetera, et cetera. It's a network of people. So franchisees expect to speak to prospective franchisees. Franchisees also want to have some say in who becomes a franchisee. So they will report to the franchisor, I spoke to your prospect from California and here's my exchange with this prospect. Here's what I think. Zors will often ask the franchisee, hey, you spoke to our prospect. Would you vote yes or no on them joining our franchise network? So franchisees want to get to know you. They want to participate. They might not have as much time as you want them to have. 
Give them a call, send them an email, say that you want to contact them, let them suggest a time when they're available. Could be a Saturday morning or it could be an evening, whatever it is, do it. And look for an opportunity. If you're in West Palm Beach, look for the opportunity to drive to Orlando and meet the franchisee in Orlando or the franchisee in Fort Lauderdale or Miami. Go meet them and see their business, whether it's in an office, whether it's out of a truck, whether it's a, a restaurant that they're operating or restaurants that they're operating, go visit them. And one of the best things that people have done, go to work for one of them. Why not work in the franchise that you're going to buy? Maybe a series of weekends, you do that. Now, you may be paid, you may not be paid. That's not what's important. You're going to get experience from this franchisee who's a successful operator and who can help you become a successful operator. Don't overlook item 20. It's not for your lawyer or not for your lawyer alone. That item 20 is for you, the prospective franchisee, to dig into it, use it, and get the information you need to know whether or not you should even read the rest of the FD and make an investment in this franchise. God bless you. I'm so happy that you tune in and you spend some time with the franchise hot seat and with me and anything I can do to help you from the Titus Center at Palm Beach Atlantic University, you know how to contact me. Till next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Franchise Hot Seat Podcast with Dr. John P. Hayes. Tune in next time for more conversation around all things franchising.